Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Well, hello. What's up, Crossover? How you doing tonight? So this, this is Crossover. I've heard about it for years, and I'm very excited to be with you. Uh, like for real. I've heard about how cool you guys are for a long, long time, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Steven, who leads worship, me and him, we do church together. We lead a church up in Oakland City, so I'm so happy to be with Steven tonight. And uh, like Brent said, my name's Tim Mannon, and um, man, this is, this is such a good group. I, I'm so pumped to be with you, and I th- Brent, thanks for inviting me to be here and be a part of this night, and it's a privilege and honor, all those good things. And I just think it's really good you're here, because you could be sleeping, of course, you could be watching TV, you could be studying, some of you probably should be studying, right? And, uh, but you're here. You're here, and I know, I know that God sees you right now. God sees you right as you are, and I think uh, I want to just even start by saying God sees you and God loves you as you are right now. And this, I heard this is the last crossover. How do you guys feel about that? Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Hopefully we'll make it a good one. Uh, so a little about me, uh, not that that matters too much, but just to let you know a little bit about who I am. Um, my name, again, my name's Tim, but I'm married. I have four kids. I have an amazing wife, Christy. And I know you're looking at me thinking, wow, you have four kids? You don't look that old. You're right. You're right. I'm not. I don't know how it happened, but I'm here and I have four kids. I don't know what we're doing. I never thought we'd have four kids in college when I was your age. Like that was never in my mind. My life is full of a lot of things that I thought would never happen. I thought I'd never have four kids. Went on later. I thought I'd never be in ministry. That was never something in my mind. I never imagined that. Thought I'd never have a minivan, but they're just very practical. <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting here saying, I will never do the minivan, I was that person. And uh, so I thought I'd never do that. I thought I'd never plant a church. We planted a church seven years ago. I thought I'd never do that. I used to say, oh, well, that's not me. I'll never plant a church. I'm not into that sort of thing. There's enough churches out there. And my whole life has been a whole bunch of nevers that, you know, just for some reason I find myself doing. And in some ways there's lessons in that, right? Like I guess never say never. And so I truly recite every day I'm never going to be a millionaire just to see <laughs> what happens. But, but the, this idea of our life now is this thing that I love to talk about because God has done so many things that I never saw coming in my life. It's a life that I never imagined. It's, it's, that, it's that Corinthians verse that maybe you've heard of that says, you know, no mind has seen, no, no, no ear has uh, heard what God has in store. No mind has even imagined what God has in store for those who love him. And, and I think about that in our life. Like we're living the dream in so many ways. Me and my wife can say that it's just a dream we never had. It's the dream that we never thought of. It was actually better than any dream. It was like the life we're getting to taste and see a little bit of the goodness of God. And, and I believe every one of you probably want that. And not that we've figured it out, not that we've, but we are just experiencing just a touch, a taste of the goodness of God in our life. And man, it is so good. And, and what I want for you tonight is to know that Jesus, Jesus has a life that you never imagined in store for you. One that you, that, that, that is more than anything, you, not only that you can imagine, that you can conceive in your mind. And, you know, I, I know that uh, 
<laughs> there's this, you know, this isn't some magical thrill ride when I say that. I, I mean it in the sense that God's presence in your life in such a way that is so incredible and so powerful that when you try to describe it, it would be beyond words. There's a verse in Habakkuk 1.5. It says this. It says, look and be amazed. God is doing something in our days that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Can you imagine having a life like that? I don't know. Does anybody want to sign up for this? You know what I'm saying? Like that there's a life out there that's better than you can imagine. And, and I kind of want to talk about that tonight. And, and I know that there's uh, people all over the map in this room. If I was going to try and just imagine where you're at right now, there's someone in here that are like, Life is good. Life is mountaintop. Life is awesome. And life is 10 out of 10 right now for you. And there's some of you that are probably more like in the valley, right? Like life has been tough. It's discouraging. It's some things that have just been really challenging for you lately. Stress, anxiety, anybody, you don't know, no raising hands, but maybe that's you. And then there's some of you that are like, you're not really, you know, on the mountaintop, but you're not in the valley either. You're sort of in, sort of in the middle. So many people are in the middle, aren't they? And you're just in the middle. You're not really, you know, there's nothing really exhilarating going on in life, but you're also not in this desperate place of, I need help. And you just find life is a little bit just mundane, mediocre. And I don't know, for me, there's just something that I want to have a life in which I can say, look around. Look at and be amazed at what God's doing. Even if I tried to tell you about it, you wouldn't believe it. That's the kind of life like, that I'm going, man, could, could that be possible for every person who calls Jesus Lord? And, and I think it is. And so uh, I just want to say that if you're feeling on the mountaintop, 10 out of 10, you're in the valley, you're feeling defeated, whatever, if you're in the middle, God sees you. He sees you right now. And he wants to say, I have more for you. I have more for you. Even if you're at a 10, I have more for you, because this one goes to 11. <laughs> Some of you get that one. Let's begin and, and pray, and I just want to say a prayer, and then we'll kind of jump into something. But I want to pray and ask God to do something that, I don't know, just for the Holy Spirit to move tonight in a way that maybe unlocks something in your own heart that needs to be done tonight. So I'm going to pray um, one of the oldest prayers in the church. It's real simple. But I'm just going to ask you to bow your head, and it's going to be a real short prayer. This prayer has been prayed for a long time. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come tonight. And I just want to pause for a moment as we invite the Holy Spirit to come and move and do more tonight. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And we ask for more. We ask you to meet us in our highs and in our lows and in our middles We ask for immeasurably more. Amen. Amen. So tonight, I want to talk about an idea. Um, I like ideas. I don't know if you like ideas, but I want to talk about an idea of, of break, about breakthrough. And, you know, a life beyond imagination requires moments of breakthrough. 
And the quicker tonight that everyone in this room can realize something about your life, the better we'll be and the sooner we'll get to where we need to get. The, quicker, the, the sooner we need to realize this, we need to realize that every one of us have walls in our life that are preventing us and confining us and restricting us from, from the things that God wants to set free. And what I would say is that Jesus wants to do a new thing in all of us all the time. And that there's walls that we put in front of ourselves that prevent us from getting to that place. And so the sooner we kind of accept that reality that perhaps there's some walls in our life tonight that we could maybe even consider what are those things that are preventing us, uh, the quicker we're gonna get to where I think maybe we have some moments of breakthrough. And so here's the truth is, uh, uh, I, I, I think we even have to probably stop for just a moment and go, what is breakthrough? Because I think a lot of us, that, that can mean a lot of different things. Um, my wife and I, we have, we, like I said, we have four kids, and my son, Grayson, he's a kindergartner. And uh, he, we've been needing some breakthrough in his life. About a year ago, he started going to all-day school, and he didn't really, he does not, he's not into it too much, you know? And so he would get up in the morning, he'd be really upset, and he'd start crying, and he'd say this. He'd say, I don't want to go to elementary school. Like, literally, that's what he said. He's like, I, I, I don't like elementary school. And I'm like, bro, I get it, man. I don't want to go to elementary either, man. Like, that sounds terrible. What do they do to people at elementary school? I mean, sounds pretty, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I was like, I totally got it. He was like screaming every day and he, I was like, we need breakthrough. You guys know what I'm talking about now? Like there are moments when it's like you're hit a wall. Anybody hit a wall at school right now? You're like, I need breakthrough. Are you with me? You guys, are you guys feeling what I'm saying now? There's moments we hit walls and we need a breakthrough because sometimes, you know, we just need to get past whether it be the elementary season or whatever we're in, right? And I think as we grow older, uh, we need breakthrough in all sorts of things. Like as a kid, we got a breakthrough to like liking vegetables at some point. Some of you are like, still fighting that one, you know what I mean? Or, or at some point, you know, the realities of, of school. And, and adolescence, these, like my kids, they've had breakthrough moments where they've now watched the whole, you know, the, the entire season, or not season, the whole series of The Office. You know, it's like they have breakthrough now because they've, seen it all now, they can get all the jokes or whatever, but there's these moments of breakthrough where we get older and it moves to things like, you know, it gets really serious though, doesn't it? Sometimes we have like, okay, do I trust God or do I continue to trust myself? And there's a moment of breakthrough, right? Or, or perhaps it's like, I really, really want to trust, I really want to only desire God, but I really do desire the things of the world. And so like, where's the breakthrough? There's a wall, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it Maybe it's a spiritual breakthrough. Maybe you look around and you see other people and you're like, man, they just seem so close to the Lord. What's wrong with me? Why, why do I always seem to struggle? And it seems like even though I love Jesus and I, or maybe I want more of God, I just, I never seem to quite get there. It's just a little bit out of my reach. Or maybe it's a prayer you have for the future. I'm guessing some of you have questions about the future. I'm gonna go ahead and say, if you have questions about the future, Maybe God's will for your life, maybe what you should do with your life. Maybe you have questions about who you'll marry or what you'll do for a career. God's will questions, anyone raise your hands. Anyone, just go ahead and raise your hand if you have questions about the future. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool, like everybody. And so it's like, Lord, I have these things that I'd love to see breakthrough in, right? And this is, this is where, this is honestly where I'm focused on these days is that I'm getting to see all sorts of people um, of all ages encountering breakthrough. And it's a pretty remarkable thing 
to where they are at one place and Jesus is doing a new thing and he takes them from one place to another. And you could call it a breakthrough. Maybe another way to say it is an accelerated work of the Spirit of God in their life in which now their whole world has changed because of things they've experienced. And this is, like I said, this is kind of where I, I, I just feel like God has us these days. And, and you know, when I think about when I think about this idea that I feel like is so, so relevant to probably everybody in this room, that we want to have a life that matters, that we want to have a life in which we, if we love Jesus, that we actually experience all that Jesus has, that we aren't just halfway at it. And I feel like this is where all of us are. And when I think about what Jesus was really up to in the scriptures, I mean, we could talk about a lot of things that Jesus did, and, 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 and honestly, you know, it, it's, it's phenomenal what he accomplished in three years of doing ministry. But when he began his ministry, he did some radical things right away. And one of the things he did was he addressed the walls people, that people had between one another and the walls that people had between themselves and God. And Jesus was constantly addressing this. Think about this. I mean, one of the things he said, what, what are the, one of the most remarkable walls that he said should be removed is when he said, hey, I want you to love your enemies. Don't hate them. Take that wall of hostility down. Think about how groundbreaking that is. And then he, he goes on and he says other things. You remember the, you remember the moment when he sits down with the, with the woman at the well and he says, he has this conversation with this woman and in one conversation he crushes the divides and the barriers between race and gender. In one conversation, if you know that story. Well, the story in Luke 5, I'm just going to touch on a few moments, but there's another great example in Luke 5, and I'll just read part of it. But the tax collector, a guy named Levi, had just become a follower of Jesus. And it says, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained about the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, there's so many things we could say about this particular passage, but this is another wall. This is the wall between godly people and ungodly people. And Jesus is saying, listen, I don't really want godly people to put a wall between themselves and ungodly people. In fact, I want you to invite them into your home, and I, and I would love for you to act as if a doctor would act, in which he really looks to help the sick. And so uh, this, this whole paradigm, again, he's starting to say, all these walls that we have in life, that we put up between people, between us and the Lord, I'm gonna start taking them down. Another wall that he talks about is in Mark chapter seven. Again, a bunch of religious leaders are together and they start having this discussion about how they're pretty upset that the disciples don't wash their hands before they eat, before they eat which is you know, sort of a, sort of a probably a, a good hygienic suggestion, but this is, a, this is a spiritual discussion, right? Mark seven, verse five. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human tradition. So he's saying, listen, you don't even care about God anymore. You only care about your rules. 
And then if you skip down to verse 14, he says this. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone who understands this, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And so he is declaring that there's this moment here, and I know it's probably hard to catch, but he's talking about food (laughs) and that there's some food that is clean and some food that is unclean. And this is what they're saying, hey, if you don't wash your hands, well, then the food becomes unclean. And he says, hey, you know what? It's not about the food. There's There's no such thing. Everything is clean. There's no wall anymore. There's no unclean and clean. Everything's clean. And Jesus declares this, and this is actually quite groundbreaking because Jesus is doing a new thing. He's breaking through a wall, a wall that divided some things as clean and unclean. Jesus creates breakthrough, and Jesus kicks down walls that confine, restrain, and limit. Are you guys following me? Are you with me? Are you with me so far? Sort of, kind of. Here's what I want you to do to be with me. Look at the person next to you and say, Jesus kicks down walls. That was a long one, good job. So if it's all right, I was told you're a smart crowd. I don't know if that we'll see, right? But I wanted to introduce you to something briefly. In the world of theology and in the world of psychology and sociology and any other kind of ology you want to throw in there, there is, there's a concept called the, the sacred secular divide. And again, talking a little bit about walls here. But this represents the divide that we subconsciously and sometimes consciously make between the things that we believe are spiritual and not spiritual. I have a few examples. For example, we might say that there is music that is secular music and there is music that is spiritual music, right? So secular music we grow up on, like whatever would be the Beatles, Drake, Garth Brooks, Post Malone, Beyonce, all, all secular, right? And Christian music, whether it be hymns or worship music like we were singing tonight or Caleb Reddy or Kanye. (laughs) Praise God, you know. Many of us, many of us use the language of secular and Christian music. And if you come from a sort of a conservative upbringing, you might have said that secular music, well, that equals um, unclean, if you will, sort of bad music, and Christian music equals clean and good music but I've heard plenty of Christian music that is bad. <laughs> so I don't know if I agree with that, but um, music is an easy example, right, of how we divide. But we also have all sorts of other things that we divide as sacred and secular. For example, we have sacred spaces, and we have secular spaces. We have secular work and spiritual work. We have places like churches that are spiritual, And then we have everything else that apparently isn't, right? We have spiritual property like our Bibles and our journals and our special pens we write with and our favorite Christian t-shirts, the one that doesn't say Abercrombie and Fitch, but it says a breadcrumb and fish, right? (laughs) My favorite, my personal favorite Christian t-shirt is the one that says that's what he said. It's a real deal, man. Then you have You have YouTube and GodTube, real thing, look it up. 
And then we even have spiritual food, right? We have like Chick-fil-A and then we have like evil food, McDonald's. <laughs> and what happens, what happens is we place, this is really, this is actually really, really important for us to realize about our life because what we do is we place walls between certain places and things in our life. We have sacred things and we have spiritual things. We have, we have secular things, we have non-spiritual non things, right? We have clean and unclean. We build religious walls in our life that essentially confine God to certain places and certain times. For example, I wonder how many of us actually worship any place other than when we are in a church or in a place like this where we're with a bunch of other people and there's a band. How many of us worship outside of venues like this? And you know, it would be nice if like we had a band that was with us, you know, kind of walking through life so we could worship anytime, anywhere. Like we wake up in the morning and there's a band like waking us up to worship. But we do this. It's, it's when, when else are we not only worshiping but serving? I feel like so many times we serve connected to a place or a certain time or a certain thing. And we have this real world that we just do life in and then we have our categories where we have our spiritual kind of connections. And this sort of thinking actually goes back a really long, long ways. You know, in fact, um, it goes back to the early church and I'll give you a brief history and I hope you're cool with getting a little history, but in the first 300 years of Christianity, Christianity grew rapidly. There was 20 million followers of Jesus by the year 300. Now you gotta put this in context. This is the ancient world, there's obviously how is the, world, the word traveling? There's just a few hundred followers of Jesus at the time of his crucifixion and, and resurrection. And then all of a sudden, there's 20 million within, thir within 300 years. And during that 300 years, a lot happened. Persecution broke out. All these sorts of things were going on with the church. The, the, Roman, the Roman government took the, the, uh, the church and institutionalized it, politicized it. That's why we have the Roman. All these things happened. But during that 300 years period of time, also Greek philosophy, which still ruled the day, you guys understand there was like the Roman power structure ruled the, the power and authority structures and government structures, but Greek philosophy ruled the day in terms of, in terms of the way they, the people thought. So they got Christianity, they put it in the constructs of Greek philosophy and tried to humanize it. They tried to understand what was going on with Christianity and what made it so different. Why were there 20, all these people coming to the faith, to the way of Jesus? And so they took it and they kind of, they applied something to Christianity and they called it dualism. Everyone say dualism. And dualism is a really simple concept. It's one in which the spiritual realm exists separate from the natural realm. And so things, it's more like a force within the natural realm rather than it is directly linked to the natural realm. So this is where you get your concept of ghosts and spiritual beings that, that, that are present in the natural realm, but separate from the natural world. And that's how they, that's how they explain Christianity is, oh yeah, there's a supernatural spiritual world out there, but it is separate from the natural world. And so what they did is they put a wall between the spiritual and the natural. Are you with me? And this wall was like, hey, these things are, they kind of coexist, but they don't, they actually don't connect. And here's where this is, this is why it's important. Jesus taught 
and he talked about something completely different. When it talk, he would talk about things like, I actually wanna teach the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and I wanna talk about how we can have heaven on earth. Do you remember, do you remember his prayer, and even in the Lord's prayer, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? He's actually wanting the spiritual realities of heaven to be present right here in the natural realm. So Jesus is actually ushering in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven into this world, into the natural world. So he actually wants the supernatural to be right alongside the natural whenever there's a dualistic kind of mindset that we're growing up in, in a Western society that's been influenced by the Greek philosophy that's saying, no, 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 these things are separate. It, it trickles into our language that we see in government. That the separation of church and state must mean that then the spiritual should not influence places that would be sort of the natural space that we exist, although that's an, actually a wrong way to interpret what the law says there. But Jesus actually taught something in which he wanted to remove the wall between heaven and earth. That's, that's mind-blowing. He was bringing a spiritual realities and the supernatural power of God into the physical realm. And he taught and practiced a faith that was holistic. No space, no thing would be considered non-spiritual. No space would be considered secular. No space would be considered unclean. Everything is spiritual. For Jesus, it was on earth as it is in heaven. This is why he says in Mark 7, all things are clean. So he brings the kingdom of God. He teaches this, and this ideal of dualism, if you will, would be completely foreign to him. And so it should beg a question, so why as Jesus followers are we so prone to make walls in our life? Well, our culture, our Western society, has raised us up this way, and we are born into a mindset in which we contain God to certain places in certain times. That's why we worship him in certain places in certain times. That's why we serve him in certain ways. That's why we relate to God 15 minutes in the morning and call the rest of the day ours. You see, for something like a life that we never imagined to actually happen in our life, we can't control God. We can't wall them off. We can't put barriers in our life that restrict, confine, and define them to this place, to that place, to this experience, but instead he's gotta have absolute freedom and lordship over every moment and every space of who we are as an individual. Anybody ever seen the movie The, the Village, M. Night Shyamalan? It's a little older now. Okay, cool, nobody. Let me explain it, spoiler alert. It is a 2004 movie, I think you guys weren't even alive then. Um, <laughs> gosh. Uh, so this movie is really, you guys are gonna wanna, you guys are gonna watch this. Um, this movie has this group of people that live behind these walls and they don't realize they're living behind these walls. They're unaware that they're living confined behind these walls. They actually think that they're just living life and, and, and they're living sort of in a, uh, you know, in a, 
they're actually living in the modern world, but they don't know it. They, they feel like they're you know, living years ago, and the, the elders of this town have tried to protect them from the outside world. And it, it's, a, it's a strange movie, but nonetheless, what happens in this movie is they discover that they're beyond the walls of this kind of village that they're living in is this whole other world they never knew anything about. And I feel like so many people in this world and so many Christians, this is our life. Like, we have put ourselves behind these walls and there's so much more of God available to us and we don't even get it. We don't even realize it. And it's like, if we can ever break through the wall, if we can ever scale the walls of normalcy for the sake of God's kingdom, we might actually realize there's a life out there beyond imagination. Are you with me now? I actually need to know, when I say, the, when I say questions, I'm just not, we're new, I know we have like a new relationship here, but I don't do the rhetorical thing. Are you with me now? Yes. Cool, because and I just need to know because, you know, it helps me feel good about myself. <laughs> so what did Jesus do with walls? You said it to the, your neighbor earlier. Jesus kicks down the walls, doesn't he? Jesus, Jesus kicked down the walls of racial barriers. Jesus stood in opposition to the walls between men and women. Jesus looked to destroy the walls between the rich and the poor. Think about this. He took, uh, he even told us to remove the walls of hatred and hostility for our enemies. He removed the walls between clean and unclean. He did it over and over and over again. Jesus was declaring everything is spiritual and everything is about bringing in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven here on earth as it is in heaven. So what does this look like in your life? Like I said at the very beginning, the quicker we realize that we have walls in our life, the faster we'll get to breakthrough. So I wonder for you, like what are the walls you have in your life? What are the walls that are limiting you? Walls that you try and leave God out of certain places and things. Uh, maybe for some of us, fear has built a wall that's so tall and so thick that we don't even know what to do with it. We have walls of insecurity and, and anger, or maybe it's walls of doubts and inadequacy. I love the story of when Jesus, after he's resurrected, I don't know, I mean, again, I, I have no idea. Some of you know all the stories, some of you don't know a lot of the Bible stories, but there's, there's some stories right after Jesus is resurrected that he goes and sees some people. He goes and makes some visits, you know what I'm saying? He goes and visits Peter, and Peter had denied him three times, had failed epically, and he comes to Peter, he reinstates him, and he says, Peter, I need you. Do you think there's ever a person in the history of the world that feels inadequate for Jesus to look at him and say, I need you? Peter's like, I have, I have totally messed up. I am completely disqualified. I am inadequate. And that's who Jesus goes and sees. Then there's this guy, his name's Thomas, and he gets a bad rap because he's just like the rest of us. He, he has doubts. Anybody, I wonder, this one is rhetorical. How many of you have doubts, right? And so we have these doubts in life and he has doubts. Like, I don't know if this told Jesus, I mean, sure, he really came to life and he's called Doubting Thomas. And who does Jesus go and see? Hey, Thomas, now you see me. I don't want you to doubt anymore. Now you can believe. Then he's walking on the road and he meets these two guys, these two disciples, they're walking on the road to Emmaus is what it's called and, and they're discouraged. They're discouraged because 
Jesus was gone, the things, everything was falling apart, and he starts walking to them and he encourages them. He actually opens the word of God to them, speaks to them, and says, were our hearts not burning when he opened the word of God to us? They didn't even know, but they were discouraged and they leave encouraged. Jesus comes back, and guess who he goes to? He goes to the inadequate. He goes to those who are discouraged. And he goes to the doubters. And some of us have those walls right now in our life. We don't really feel like anything special about who we are. We feel discouraged. And some of us, I know, we're dealing with doubts. We're dealing with doubts about our faith, doubts about ourself. Jesus shows up for those people. What I want to do tonight is I want to give you three things to help us open our heart to breakthrough. And I usually don't have like points, so I'm not going to call these points. These are just, they're actually just um, three things from the Bible. <laughs> I just feel like that's a pretty good place to go. Um, maybe you have no idea what you need breakthrough for. You may be sitting here thinking life is fine, life is good, but... Um, I don't have a lot of walls. And can I just say, if you're thinking you don't need breakthrough, you are exactly the person that needs breakthrough. And when you're like, what are you saying? I'm saying like, God has more for you, more than you can imagine, and he wants to give it to you because he's a good father and he loves to give good, good, good gifts to his children. So I wanna go give you three things. It comes out of, uh, um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says, Paul writes this, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is like, I love this verse. It's so simple. It gets quoted often, but he says, he says If you want to know what God's will for you is, I want you to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So, real quick, just think about these things. Rejoice always. The central word and idea inside of the word rejoice is the word joy. And he is essentially saying, walk in joy. And many of us don't even know how to do this, do we? I don't know if you know a person, maybe this isn't you, but probably someone you know that just does, that definitely does not choose to walk in joy. They choose to walk in annoyance. You know what I'm talking about? They're like always annoyed. Or they choose to walk like in negativity. They're always like complaining. Anybody, anybody, do I get, can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? Like those people, you're like these people. And we're those people, right? And we just struggle. God's will is to walk in joy. And here's the thing. If you want joy, start rejoicing. You don't actually, you don't rejoice because you have joy. You rejoice to get joy. And I think we gotta get that backwards. We think joy for people are the ones that rejoice. Well, they do, but if you want joy, you start rejoicing. You start praising him for his goodness and his promises and his love. Second thing he says is pray continually. You know, our church, which, you know, you know, we're just a church up in Oklahoma City, but our church has been leaning into this one pretty heavy for the last couple of years, and we've created a lot of movement and culture around prayer, and we've seen God move through prayer. It's been really amazing, and you know what's funny is we used to pray, or, well, I'll say it this way. We never used to pray 
We never used to pray for God to do miracles. And guess what happened? We never saw miracles. But now we pray all the time for God to do miracles, and guess what happens? We see miracles. And we don't see them every time we pray, but we see them sometimes. And we've seen all sorts of things that God can do. We've seen heal, people heal. We've seen huge breakthrough God provide. And I can't encourage you enough to pray. It's our communication and intimacy with, intimacy with God. Because we see prayer, we must see prayer as the weapon that God has given us to usher into the kingdom, usher in the kingdom. To see God break through in any situation. And the realities of heaven brought to earth, it happens through the vehicle of prayer. And I know um, a lot of people talk about prayer and they think prayer they think prayer is, uh, I have a consistent prayer time. This is not a knock on a consistent prayer time, a 15-minute morning prayer time, or perhaps on your way to school, perhaps before you have a meal, you know, like, Lord, thank you so much for this, I don't know, hot and ready pizza that was only $5. Um, that's a good deal. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Or, or maybe we pray bedtime prayers. I don't know if you grew up praying bedtime prayers but I do with my kids, and I don't do the nursery rhyme prayer, but you know, I was thinking about that one. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, bless me, Lord, my soul to take. Some five-year-old is praying, if I die before I wake. <laughs> now here's the deal, Johnny. You're not, you might not make it tonight. You know? <laughs> That's a... See, pray, praying though, praying before meals, praying in the mornings, praying on the way to school, all great things, I would never discourage. But I think when Paul says praying continually, he's talking about something a little different, don't you? I think he's saying something different. And you know, these, this, you know the disciples of Jesus, they asked Jesus, a, they asked Jesus a very specific question in Luke chapter 11. They said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And do you think that's interesting? They never said, hey, Lord, teach us to preach. They never said, hey, Lord, you know that thing you did with those two fish and those five, lords? Can, five loaves? Can you teach me that one? They never asked Jesus in the scriptures how to do some of the things he was doing, but they did ask him how to pray because they saw that prayer was the vehicle that Jesus used to usher in the kingdom. It was his weapon. If you need breakthrough, you must contend in prayer. I've lived a life where I haven't prayed. I've lived a life as a Christian where I haven't prayed all that much. And I've also lived a life as a Christian where I've prayed a lot. And it's no comparison. Prayer matters. And if there's anything you get out of tonight, I hope that, it, I hope that even just a small little encouragement to pray more. I mean, I tell our church that all the time. I say, hey, you know what? We should just pray more. We should praise more. Pray more and praise more. I'm like good there. You know what I mean? The third thing he says is give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm actually about done, but um, we're going to have some time for prayer in just a moment. But when he says give thanks in all circumstances, in everything give thanks. I was thinking about how transcendent this sentence is. To give thanks to God for everything to thank him continually in every circumstance. Like, really? Everything? And I was actually thinking about this and wondering like how many of us tonight 
Like, if, if we just stopped on this and said, what do you need to thank the Lord for? <laughs> what do you need to thank the Lord for? And here's the thing. He doesn't need the thanks. You giving thanks is not for him. It's for you. You're the one that actually needs to give thanks. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think, oh, you know, this is, this is about, you know, giving, giving God what he wants. Like, no, this is about you. Like, you need to remember where everything comes from. Because when you don't, you lose yourself. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want breakthrough, it starts there. As humans, we fall for the dualistic trap and we create walls. We compartmentalize our faith. Our Western culture leads us to live this way. We're born into it. It's affected our worldview. It's affected how we see things. And more importantly, it's limited. It's limited the way we relate to Jesus. So I'm going to end with this. You know, uh, you know the great thing about breakthrough is that Jesus does the work. You're like, well, you just told me these three things. Well, I don't know if rejoicing and praying and, you know, thanking is really the work. It's a good thing to do. It readies us for what God can do and what Jesus will do. But Jesus is actually the one that does the heavy lifting for the ones that are wanting it, the ones that are hungry, the ones that are thirsty, the ones that are desperate enough. You know, one of my, one of my favorite things in the scriptures is to go through the gospels and just see all the stories and where Jesus healed or where Jesus set people free or where Jesus did a miracle and you saw the, the accompanying line that he did this as an act because he saw their faith. He says, your faith has healed you. He saw their faith and he healed them. And he was through this faith. But then there was a moment. There was a moment when he goes to his hometown. You remember this moment where he goes to his hometown and he, he starts to tell the people who he is. And they're amazed. They're like, wow, wow, who is this guy? I mean, isn't he, isn't he, isn't he the carpenter's son? Yeah, I mean, aren't, isn't he from our town? Like, I can't believe what he's talking. And it says that he didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So one time you see this. And I think so many people, it says that they took offense at Jesus. And I just think about all the walls that we put up in life. Some of us have been offended by people. Some of us have been offended by even Christians. And we've been offended by the church. Or we've been offended by, and we put these things up. And, and, and we lack the faith that, that God is calling us into. He's inviting us into a life in which we would say, Lord, nothing else is going to get in the way. I'm not going to put these walls up. I'm not going to allow the world. Because here's the thing. This, this whole dualistic kind of Greek philosophical mindset that we've been born into, it gives us a worldview. And, and if we shift our perspective and we start looking through the lens of Jesus, we start to see the supernatural is right there in front of us. That the possibilities of what is really available to us is, is not only within reach, it's a gift that he wants to give us in the now. Because he wants heaven on earth. He wants to release his power in and through his people. And that's us. And when I think about this, I just continually am asking my own self, like, what 
is it, what am I allowing to stop me from what God wants to do in me? He continues to promise immeasurably more. And this is, when I'm saying immeasurably more, know that I'm talking about more purpose, more peace, more grace, more love. I'm talking about the good things of God. It's unlimited. It's the riches. He has glorious riches that he gives to his children. What is that? I want some of that. Is anybody with me on that? Are you with me? I want some of that, like glorious riches that you give to your children. Are you kidding me? He's the king of kings. In fact, he's the king. Kings have a lot of riches, but he's the king of all kings. I think his unlimited resources and his riches are pretty good. I'll take some of that, not for myself or for my own glory, but for the sake of being able to sit into the presence of my Lord and King and understand his great greatness and his glory. I want to experience all that Jesus has promised, not for me, right? Now, it's, not, it's not about that. I think you get this, but it's about saying, it's about saying, God, I want to experience a life that when I was, able, if I was trying to speak about it, if I was trying to tell someone about it, I would say, oh my gosh, God is doing so much in our days. If, it, it's, it's amazing. If I tried to tell you, you wouldn't even believe it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you don't understand. No, no eye has seen, no mind has imagined what God is doing for those who love him. That is not just an eternal promise. That is a here and now promise. You know, there's a, there's a song that's a little bit, uh, <laughs> it's a few years old now. But I said Jesus does the work. It's been out, it's called, you know, the song Reckless Love. It's one of those songs by Kanye or something like that. It's a Christian song. Anyway, the lyrical picture of what Jesus does with the walls that restrict and confine us in this song are so powerful. You remember the words, right? There's no shadow, you won't light up. There's no mountain, you won't climb up. You're coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down. You're coming after me. Jesus kicks walls down. He says, rejoice in what I'm doing. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. He wants to pour out his love on us. He wants to give us all that he has. And I'm encouraging you tonight Say, Lord, what do I need? What do I need breakthrough? Where am I limiting you? Where am I confining you? Lord, you can have all of me. So I want to lead you in a prayer. So if you could just bow your heads. There's different kinds of breakthrough probably represented in this room. And uh, I just want to give you just a an opportunity to respond to God. You're not responding to me, but you're responding to the Lord. You know, we ask the Holy Spirit to come, and I believe he does when we ask. We already know that where two or three are gathered, he is present, but I'm a firm believer that when we invite more of the Spirit in our life, when we open up our own heart to what he has to do, he does do more. So right now, we're just asking the Holy Spirit to do more. And, and here's, here's what I would say is that some of you need breakthrough in your life and maybe as a way of acknowledging just bet- between you and the Father, you would just raise your hand to a few of these, these little options that perhaps 
or your area of particular breakthrough. If you need clarity about the future and it's like really a big deal for you right now, just lift your hand. If you desire a deeper intimacy to the Lord and it's been kind of like you've been in a, in a rut and you're like, I need breakthrough with Jesus just in my passion for him, just lift your hand. If you're here and you're like, when you said doubts, that was me. I have doubts and I want breakthrough. I want, so if that's you, just lift your hand. And then I mentioned three. Jesus went and saw three different people, or three different types of people right after the resurrection. The first one was a Peter, and he was in, probably felt inadequate. If, if you need breakthrough, because if you're being really honest tonight, you feel inadequate in your life sometimes. Would you just lift your hand if that's you? No one's looking around. He also went to some that were discouraged. If you find yourself in a place of discouragement and you want breakthrough in discouragement, would you just lift your hand? And then I also want to throw this one out there. If there's someone in here that needs healing of some type, any type of healing, it could be emotional hurt, it could be you know, spiritual pain, or it could be even, of course, you have a physical need in your life where you need healing. If that's you, just lift your hand. I need breakthrough and healing. If you raise your hand at any point, will you raise your hand again? Everybody that just raised their hand tonight. I just want you to know, like, breakthrough is something we all need. And we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit right now to do more, to do something that only he can do. And so if you wanna just say, Lord, I, I, you know, I'm ready for you to do more right now. I'm just gonna pray, then we're gonna sing. And while we sing, you can come pray some more with, your, with the prayer team here. You may pray on your own, you may sing your heart out. But I believe the Holy Spirit in this room can move in this moment and breakthrough can happen. And we do this because we believe in the authority of Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, we do ask your power to come right now. We ask in the name of Jesus that Lord, the, the things that were represented by the hands that were raised and all the things that are represented by the things we didn't even speak about, breakthrough is something that we long for because Father, we know that you have more for us. So Right now, Father, we ask that you would come and that you would move in our hearts, that you would draw us to a deeper passion, that you would encourage us where we're discouraged, that you would, you would enlighten us to the things that we feel inadequate about, that, Lord, you would, you would answer our questions and that even in our doubts, Father, we would still have faith. Father, I pray for my friends tonight. We pray more. Maybe right now on your own, just say that. God, I ask that you would help me. Just say your own prayer for the thing you raised your hand about. Just ask him. Just ask him. Jesus does the work.